0: Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our review of the defense team's closing argument as Rittenhouse attorney Mark Richards offered the jury a synopsis of the charges against his client. On today's installment, we pick up Richards' argument as he moves on to enumerate the reasons why Rittenhouse should be found not guilty on all counts. That's coming up right after the break. Mark Richards, having enumerated and critiqued all of the charges against his client, continues his closing by emphatically reminding the jury that if the prosecution has not met their burden of proof, then the defendant must be found not guilty. Kyle, as he sits here, is presumed
1: innocent of all charges. If there is any reasonable hypothesis to reconcile with Kyle's innocence, that is what you are to choose. Remember, when looking at the burden of proof, they have it. Think about some of the things, the shoddy investigation, the rush to judgment from the Kenosha District Attorney's Office. The Zeminski's not being called as witnesses. They have the burden of proof.
0: We don't. Richards next offers his counter-narrative to the prosecution's pejorative characterization of his client.
1: They wanted to be that Kyle was out there doing something improper. Kyle was a 17-year-old kid out there trying to help this community. He was asked to provide help in protecting property at the car sources. It started, and he did it. He did provide aid, and he was asking if anybody needed aid. Whether somebody chooses to accept that aid, that's on them. But Mr. Binger wants to poo-poo his sincere belief that he's helping people because he borrowed bandages from Dominic Black, and I think he might have borrowed something from lakowski also. But in the picture, when the Kandiri poses with all the people who are gonna protect his property. There's Kyle's big orange gator box. He's got his pack on filled with things and he's willing to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle was not an active shooter. That is a buzzword that the state wants to lash onto because it excuses the actions of that mob on the twenty fifth of twenty twenty. Whenever Kyle was there, he reacted to people attacking him. There's numerous times, and you'll see him on the video, he does not shoot. He runs two blocks from 63rd to 61st, scene two, without firing his weapon. Individual hits him in the back of the head. He does not turn around to address that threat. Huber takes a swing at him with the skateboard like that. Kyle blocks and the skateboard's knocked out of his hand. He doesn't turn around and shoot him. He keeps running and falls from the two hits. He's run that far, and yet somehow he just fell over on his own. As soon as he's on the ground, they're there attacking him. And you see the people, the law of self-defense. You've seen it. You've heard it.
0: Now I'm going to go through the witnesses. During the next section of his argument, Richard synopsizes the contributions of each of the witnesses in the trial. As he does so, he displays slides of each individual on the court TV screens. The defense attorney's dual purpose here is to remind the jury of the testimony they've heard in the case and to suggest that many of these prosecution witnesses have either actually helped Rittenhouse's case or been motivated by bias and or potential personal benefit. Dominic Black, first witness,
1: charged by Mr. Binger for providing the gun to my client. Two counts, looking at up to six years in prison. His case has been adjourned so that he can help the state. I don't think he helped the state that much. I think he was a pretty truthful witness, all in all. He told them about Kyle there to help people, that they had permission from the Kenderies, that he saw Kyle. Help the woman with the foot. Help the person with the hand. Mr. Binger wants to just say, oh, that doesn't matter. If it wasn't Kyle, it would have been somebody else. The point is he was there and he did it. There was no pointing by Kyle of any laser sight. There was no ability for Kyle or him to point laser sights at anyone because their guns didn't have the type of optics that did that. He said, Kyle was there to help. The only person helping was Kyle. And he can say what he wants about whether or not he let Kyle take the gun or not take the gun. He never told him not to. He went to the location with him. They bought straps at Jelensky's together. He's trying to cover his butt a little bit. The guns were there and they took them. They took the guns, as he said, to deter people attacking them. He saw Kyle at the end, sweating, was in shock, and said that he shot someone. He had to do it. That is Dominic Black. Corey Washington saw the rioters breaking up concrete at the church parking lot, described Rosenbaum as erratic stated the crowd was suspicious hey i don't know what that means one of the things that i thought was strange was they were the night before they were burning garbage trucks but they only burnt the old ones i think that tells you something about his point of view that there's a certain amount of property damage that is justified and okay um kenosha was using those garbage trucks that the rioters lit on fire and Nothing regarding property destruction was going to do anything to help Jacob Blake. We also learned that Kyle Rittenhouse smokes cigarettes and that he has an affinity for the Dinosaur Museum. Detective Howard, ladies and gentlemen, Detective Howard's testimony and Detective Antramian's testimony is the stuff of what reasonable doubt is made of. Two detectives, both lead officers on this case, they've sat through every minute of this trial and their opinions of the actions of Mr. Rosenbaum from testimony, videos, couldn't be more diametrically opposed. Detective Howard on cross-examination knew that the guy was hiding in the car and jumped out from behind the car and began chasing Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, boy, that's not good for the state's case. So there's the old chit-chat between Mr. Howard and Mr. Antaramion and the prosecutors after, and all of a sudden we've come up with the new theory. And you heard the new theory that he raised the gun, and that's what's on the video. Could I have the firearm, please?
0: After a court official responsible for custody of evidence checks Kyle Rittenhouse's rifle to make sure it's empty, he hands it to Mark Richards, who in turn holds up the weapon for the jury. Think
1: about when Kyle Rittenhouse is firing the gun, when he's seen holding the gun, throughout the events of the 25th. shouldering the gun, and I'm not going to bring it all the way up to my shoulder, to the right, right shoulder be a stance like this. The reason I objected in his closing argument is because that's not the way he was standing. If he's standing like this, this is right-handed, pointing the gun this way, up at the ready. his back would be to the drone footage. In the drone footage, you see the arm. It would be somebody having to hold the gun left-handed. This is a right-handed firearm. This gun is brought up to his face, and it is pulled back.
0: Richards points to the shell casing section of the rifle.
1: The shell casing, hot, and the fire that ejects it is going to be going right into Kyle's face. The photograph I'll talk about later, you don't see the straps on his shirt. It didn't happen the
0: way he said In the next section of his argument, Mark Richards draws the juror's attention to the difference between Rittenhouse's cooperation with authorities and Gage Grosskreutz's lack of such cooperation. Burden of proof, once
1: again, the telephones, the searching of telephones with search warrants, the subpoenaing of records, I have no problem with that. It's good police work. But when you pick and choose and you make favorites, it's not. My client testified, and I'll say it this way, the detective testified that my client's phone was sent to the FBI. It was unsearchable because of the operating system. The FBI and the federal government had not cracked it yet. We found out about that. We had nothing to hide here. Here's the numbers. Search the phone. As long as we're given simultaneous copy so we have what you have we can have our experts look at it they can have their experts look at it so we know that there isn't anything added or deleted we did that we gave that to the state if we had something to hide they never would have gotten in that phone they took the phone they made a copy they searched it lo and behold nothing of an incriminating nature in it nothing militia white supremacist, any of that. Gage Grossquitz, different story. They had a valid search warrant for it. The only search warrant that these guys have never not executed when it's sitting right in front of them. Not just that, but Mr. Grossquitz could have consented to them going in the phone. If he has nothing to hide, Why not? Why not let them look in the phone? And let's take common sense and judgment one step further. Police officers get search warrants, they execute the search warrant. Sometimes somebody feels as though their rights have been violated and it gets litigated in a court of law. If it was illegal, the information in that search warrant never comes out in court if it's legal after a judge has said there were no rights violated it comes in in evidence what was Mr. Grossquitz afraid of why wouldn't the state execute the search warrant let Mr. Grossquitz and his attorney object file a motion and say you can't go in my phone let the judge decide not the person who's prosecuting and protecting Mr. Grossquitz. come on people Mr. Grosquitz has 10 million reasons for not wanting somebody to go on his phone. The timing with the detectives and some of their actions I think are very important. They get down to Antioch at about 3.30 in the morning, the 26th, less than four hours after this happens. By 6 o'clock, 6.30 Given the benefit of the doubt, Kyle Rittenhouse is under arrest for first degree murder. There's not been any autopsy done. There haven't been any witness statements taken. They've got two or three videos. The bullets, I should say it this way, all of the bullets have not even been picked up from car source at this point. But they're willing to make a decision. And were they under pressure? I'm sure they were. They're afraid that there's going to be another night of looting, destruction in Kenosha because of this happening and the way the word got out. He traveled across state lines. He was here. He brought his AR with him. The AR was here. He was a white supremacist looking for trouble. Nothing. Nothing. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, when we picked you guys as jurors, we asked you if you could decide based upon the evidence that happens in the courtroom, not what you'd heard before, not all of the lies and untruths that have been put out in the media. I heard one guy say, my client discharged the gun 60 times. Ladies and gentlemen, what's happening in court is what you decide the truth on. He was charged on the 27th. Still, they didn't have the information, the autopsies final, anything like that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a rush to judgment.
0: After completing this section on a rush to judgment against his client, Richards returns to his slideshow of witnesses. Richie McGinnis, I talked about earlier, citizens,
1: citizen journalists. Mr. Bringer talked about him seeing guns. But remember the cross of Mr. McGinnis. Guns are not legal in Portland, Washington, or DC or New York. They're not allowed on the streets. You can be arrested. There are state laws. And ladies and gentlemen, the gun in this case is no longer an issue. Whether or not it was a dangerous weapon, as it applies to the charges, is. But my client is no longer charged with minor in possession of a firearm. But he needs his AR-15 and the assault weapon and the fear that goes with that to try and bring home an unjust guilty verdict. Ryan Balch. Ryan Balch had never met Kyle Rittenhouse before the evening hours of the 25th, has never spoken to him or known him after, And yet the state wants you to believe he made up something about a threat to kill. Why? What's in it for him? The threat. If I get either of you alone, I will kill you. That is a threat with a statement and a promise. And lo and behold, the chance presented itself to Mr. Mr. Rosenbaum, and he attempted to execute it. And it, I don't for a minute believe that he would have done it if it was Mr. Balch, who's much bigger than my client, muscular, well built, and much more assertive and forceful. Rosenbaum, like any as he referred to him, I don't even know what he called him, a rag doll, whatever, but The little guy who gets beat up likes to go after the next littlest guy he saw kyle alone and that's what he chose to or he could have been mistaken and thinking it was the other person at the ultimate that he went after and had to be held back they were dressed very similarly baseball caps mask and the only difference was the difference between shorts and a long pants i can't answer that mr rosenbaum at this point i guess can't either but you see Mr. Rosenbaum right around the timing question at that location, menacing with his chain.
0: As Richards proceeds to the next witness, he takes another shot at the shortcomings of this investigation. Ms. Raz, Amber Rasmussen, she was the DA,
1: uh, DNA expert. What I say to the, you, is DNA is an incredibly useful tool, but DNA is only as useful as what you put into it. And if DNA shows anything, it shows that it's not proof positive in this case. We know in hearing from Dr. Kelly that he most probably touched the gun. It was a contact wound is the way he described it. And we know through the videos, Huber, touched the gun with his bare hand and yet no DNA was found on that gun so don't let your eyes deceive you don't let the physical evidence be discounted because of what she said the end of that barrel was not swabbed and we know we know he had to be at the end of the barrel or it would have had the soot on all of the fingers
0: And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next installment as we continue our review of the defense's closing argument.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
0: You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty. The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.